0: about the death of Jacob and Joseph will come into play here as we go um, as we go through this Um, but I want to I give a reminder every week about the theme that these these lessons present now of course there are a lot of things that we can glean from these lessons of course there are a lot of things and I'm sure with with the Holy Spirit what's great about the Holy Spirit is is that some of you will fall under a conviction in a certain way, and, and, and you will never tell anybody about it. We'll never know exactly what God has spoken to you directly and what he's been dealing with you about. So I factor that in always, because there's things that come out in, in the lessons that, that you will chew on and deal with that other people won't chew on and deal with. But as a theme throughout this, uh, these lessons is um, wait until the end to ultimately see the big picture. And what God ultimately does as a finality. We've been talking about this in the span of life, and what it looks like across our lives, uh, not just a moment and not just a particular situation. Because we could all nitpick, couldn't we? We could all nitpick and pick out little things that we didn't like, or 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 whatever. We could we could always uh, take things out of our life and and then just live in that one moment for the rest of our lives. But our our life is looked at over the whole from start to finish. God's work is looked at as a whole from start to finish and the way he moves and the what he does. And so I call your attention to that because there's so much in this story to glean in that regard and to come to the conclusion that God is always faithful in the way that he handles his children, in the way that he handles your life individually. He's always faithful. He's always showing up. He's always carrying you, doing things behind the scenes for you and inching you along throughout the entire, all the years of your life until the end. He's always faithful. And so under the central truth that God enables his children to finish life well. What do you think? What, do you, what does that mean to you? If, I, if I'm going I'm to let you weigh in on that. What does that mean to finish life well?
1: I mean, most people are scared of death. Like, if you talk to people who are non-believers, okay. they're like terrified of what's going to happen when you die. But when you're a believer and you get on your deathbed or whatever, mm-hmm. you know where you're going to go. So it's not like you're feeling that dread and that terror okay. of what's going to happen. So, like, I've been around, you know, family members who have passed away and they're like, I know where I'm going and they've got joy. We're in a situation like that where there's death. There's not much joy, joy but they're holding it because they know that God has
0: them Absolutely. in the
1: palm of his hand right there.
0: That's good. Okay. Very good. Anyone else want to weigh in on what's... Go ahead, Doe.
2: You kind of feel at ease. You know, like she was talking before we go, you got all your T's crossed your I's dotted. Right. And when you are there at that end, when you feel well that everything's done. Mm-hmm. You took care of your business in the right
0: way. Yes. And you feel at ease. Very good. That's well good. Well done, now good and faithful servant. Now good and faithful servant. Well done. And so that that's it brings us to this point, and it's and it's not a it's not a disturbing thing, but it's a reality. All life has to end. Yeah. All of it. And, and and as good as things are, it all everything comes to a conclusion. And so I draw us back to that big picture of our lives and what that looks like across the years that we've lived our lives. And of course, yeah, you know, we've We might have come into the game late. And I use that term loosely. We might have come into the game late. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But knowing that God is with us each and every step of the way, guiding us. And and really kind of exciting to see what he's going to do next. See how he's going to unfold things. See how he's going to fix another situation. See how he's going to answer another prayer. Some of you here are living testimonies. To seeing God constantly answering prayers in your life. Seeing God come through over and over and over amen, again. Amen. Testimonies to that. It's like a almost like an adventure. So let's let's go to uh let's get started. In today's lesson we examine the death of Jacob and the end of the story of Joseph's forgiveness of his brothers. Not not the end of forgiveness per se, but the end of the story. We also see the death of Joseph in his reaffirmation of God's promise to give the land of Canaan to the descendants of Jacob. The promises of Jacob are sure and enduring. If we hold tightly to those promises, we can die well, knowing that God's plan will be fulfilled even beyond our time on earth. The promises of God are sure and enduring. Okay, so if we hold tightly to God, saying that if we hold tightly to his promises, we can die uh, well also. So, we already discussed about what that means to die well, but let's let's bring in another piece of the puzzle that <coughs> God is always faithful to his promises and what he has spoken to us, not just yes in his word, but also what he has spoken to you individually that he's faithful to save our children. Will we get to see that in its entirety? No, probably maybe not. Um I know I always use Sean as an example, because Sean had a, had a praying mother, and she she uh, she visited with my mother on numerous occasions. They were friends, and uh, she would uh, talk about the prayers for her sons, and that, that God would lead them in the right direction, and that it was some time later, and then here Sean sits. been sitting here. He's been going to church for quite a while now. Yeah, a little while. A little while. He's a product those mother's prayers Amen. and and you think about how precious that is and and it, it yeah we wish if we had a if we was living in a movie and I always refer to movies because I think sometimes we think along the same lines as a movie because we were in we're kind of indoctrinated with the flow of a, of a movie because it's western culture yeah that'd be great if we could kind of start it and end it like a movie you know this there's this kind of climactic point and There's this massive happy ending and and everything just as well and perfect. It doesn't always go like that. It doesn't have to. If we understand that God is faithful to his promises. That it doesn't always happen in the time frame we would like it to. It'll happen in his time. In the way he wants it to. Uh, I would say that you're proof of that. John's proof of that. I'm proof of that. You're proof of that. That God works in his own time. And so some of you are probably praying this morning. You got uh, loved ones, children... You're praying for. You're like, God, are you going to show up in this? You keep believing until your last breath because that's your responsibility and God will be faithful. That's that's our responsibility all the way to the very end. It's hard sometimes because we'd like to put our hand to it and we'd like to interfere. We'd like to put a little bit more effort into it than we probably should. Remember, the only effort that is required of you is faith. That's the only thing that's required. Belief that God will do what he said he will do. Okay. Um, This final lesson of the unit on early Israelite history touches on several key points. First, as we examine the last words of Jacob, we gain insight into not only his legacy, but the future of each of his sons within God's great plan. We also can learn from the importance Jacob placed on being buried in Canaan. Not because a place of burial matters in itself, but as a reminder of the promise that drove his life. Second, we see in the life and death of Joseph his enduring love for his brothers. Played out in his lasting forgiveness as well as foreshadowing of how God's promise through his people will proceed in the generations to come. And I'll make this point later on, and we'll hopefully we'll do this again. But really, that's what you desire. And and if you'll think about lasting wealth, I want, I want to wanna I want to say this. If you think about lasting wealth and what really matters. Yes, it would be great. All of us talk about or think about, I would love to pass on money to my children or a fortune to my children or all of these things. That's all fine. And if you can do something like that, I think it's great. But passing on something that (coughs) will change your generations and they will continue to live for God generation after generation. And it started with you. Can you think of anything more valuable? What a thing to pass on to your children. Okay, Haley, go ahead.
1: Genesis 49 Then Jacob instructed them, Soon I will die and join my ancestors. Bury me with my father and grandfather in the cave in the field of Ephraim the Hittite. This is the cave in the field of Machphilah, near Mamre in Canaan, that Abraham bought from Ephron the Hittite as a permanent burial site. When Jacob had finished his charge to his sons, he drew his feet into the bed breathed his last, and joined his ancestors in death. Fifty seventy. So Joseph went up to bury his father. He was accompanied by all of Pharaoh's officials, all the senior members of Pharaoh's household, and all the senior officers of Egypt. Joseph also took his entire household and his brothers and their households. But they left their little children and flocks and herds in the land of Goshen. So Jacob's sons did as he had commanded them. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, Please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, Don't be afraid of me and my God that I can punish you. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Soon I will die, Joseph told his brothers, but God will surely come to help you and lead you out of this this land of Egypt. He will bring you back to the land he solemnly promised to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath, and he said, When God comes to help you and lead you back, you must take my bones with you. So Joseph died at the age of 110. The Egyptians embalmed him, and his body was placed in a cloth <coughs> in
0: Egypt. Thank you. You're Part one, Jacob's final words. Genesis 49 28 concludes Jacob's address to his sons. This, uh, these blessings are applied to the tribes that will later come from each, with Judah and Joseph having preeminence. The tribe of Judah dominated the history of the southern kingdom, while the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, the tribal representatives of Joseph, were dominant in the northern kingdom. In verses 29-32, Jacob asked to be buried with Isaac and Abraham. He had a similar request in 47, 29-31. Why? Because God had told him this would be so. It also demonstrated Jacob's faith in God's covenant promise uh, stayed strong even until death. He wanted to be laid to rest in the land of promise, just as his family had been. He was wanting to stay connected to God's promise. He wanted to stay connected to what God had passed on to, through the generations. And I understand that some of you, you will sit here and we look back and we think, um, "Well, I'm not very proud of of my past lineage. I'm not very proud of the things that have taken place in my family. I'm not very proud of those things that have that have that have transpired." In, and that's great that he wanted to be buried with his forefathers in order to honor them and to honor the promise that God had put into that family line. Now, I say this because I think it's very important to understand that even though you may have a past family or a past history, and you may look back and you say, I really, it seemed like none of my family served the Lord. There was always tumultuous times. That's fine because it has to start somewhere you might very well be the pioneer spiritually in your family that will establish a generational trend that will get your great chil- great grandchildren looking back saying i want to be buried next to them think about that because if you look at it i draw you back to this look at the larger picture Stop looking at just the immediate and think of the impact that you are leaving the children that are coming. Right. Think about it. That you're leaving them something. And, and what, a, what a high honor. <laughs> what, what an honor. If you're, and, and I'm, uh, this is goes for everybody, if your great-grandchildren say, I want to be buried next to my forefathers because of what they started for my family. I would not be here spiritually had it not been for what they did. Think about that. And think about if you could be the one to start that. I, to tell you this is kind of a, it's a sensitive issue for me, but I want to tell you for the sake of the lesson. Um, you know, my last name is is Hinton. That's not really my, my bloodline name. That's my uh, adopted bloodline through my dad. <coughs> and uh, for a long time, I didn't like that last name. I wanted, to, I wanted to go back to my bloodline name. And I started to get real serious about it, how I didn't really want that because the name was associated with a lot of tumultuous times. Uh, I could take you back through some pretty heavy things that the name Hinton brought and they, they weren't good. Um, it's all twisted up, uh, so much that I can't even figure it all out. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, he, pro- he posed a question. Now, when I tell you this, I'm not telling you this just for fun. I'm telling you this because it actually happened. He said, what would be better? Would it be better to take on an unknown name or to bring honor to a name that you already have? And I thought about that. And I said, the Lord had given me this name for a reason. And my responsibility was to bring honor. That's God's honor to the name. He's like, and the way he hit me with it was, it doesn't matter what tumultuous times have happened in that family name. You be the one to change it. You be the one to bring honor to that name. You change your family history. You do it. It was kind of a, it's kind of a large undertaking, a lot of responsibility. But then I realized that following God, He does that Himself. You don't really have to do anything. You just follow the Lord. Follow him, and so I look at it and I think now my sons and my daughters they carry the name. And my desire is that when my grandchildren are born and they take, they be my daughters go and they take other names, and my sons they grow and they can carry that name, that honor will go with the name. And that maybe a trend can be started to kill and destroy all of the anti God times in our family history. And that we can be known as a family that began to serve the Lord. Amen. I think that's, I think that, and I'm talking about my side. Um, there's uh, obviously, uh, Misty's side was a little bit well, uh, better put together. <laughs> 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 I always feel honored because I'm an outsider um, uh, brought in. and uh, and, and grafted in. I have a lot of things to be thankful for. You have to understand, when I went through this lesson, it was very emotional for me. Um, God's done a lot of things for me in my life. Uh, Amazing things. Okay. I went on that note, and now I forgot where I was at. When Jacob finished finished speaking, he gathered up his feet into the bed, breathed his uh, last, and was gathered unto his people. The final words declare the reality of the promise of God and his faith in those promises there could be no better way for this great patriarch to die. You think, man, that's a powerful thing to say. There could be no better way for this patriarch to die. And I, I, I use that, I, that uh, sentence. is that. Then I ask myself that same question. Is like, what, could be the, what would be the best possible way to die? And I think we already answered that. I think we, we've kind of already discussed that. What would be the best way to pass from this, this life? And that's to know that we left everything to our family and that we actually passed on something to them of value. And purpose, and reason. Remember, uh, train up a child uh, in the way that they should go; that when they're older, they won't depart from it. Everything that you have given your children will never depart from them. If you say, "Well, they don't, they don't follow it very well," it doesn't matter. It will stick with them, and it will never leave them. You could say it, it could be a blessing, or it will in turn haunt them. Amen. And I mean that in a good way. <laughs> I mean that by the way of conviction. It will not leave them because you follow God's word and God is faithful to his promise. He's faithful. Roughly half of Genesis 50 is description over grief over the death of Jacob. The Bible recognizes grief as a necessary human emotion and process. Yet Christians do not grieve the same as those who do not have hope in Christ. This is true. We do not grieve the same. It doesn't make it any easier. I'll throw that out there because I think the lesson kind of skips over the fact that, yes, it, uh, it, it doesn't matter. Loss is still hard no matter what. Period. Let's just put it that way. I want to make sure that we don't water that down because whether you know that they went to heaven or or you don't know, there's a lot of pain involved in loss of anybody. There's a grieving process. But the grieving process uh, uh, is uh, uh, healing is possible as time goes on because we know that we will be reunited with them at another time. Can we all say amen to that? Amen. amen. Because this life is not all there is. Hey,
1: hallelujah.
0: This is only temporary. And when you walk out of this life, you will walk into an eternal life. Something that will never end. I can't. I, can't, I only got time to talk about that. That's good stuff. Okay. Uh, Joseph grieved openly. He laid himself uh, across Jacob's face, likely uh, including his upper body, and kissed him. Kissing was and is a common expression of affection when someone has departed. Clearly Joseph felt deep grief. The Egyptian process of embalming preserved Jacob's remains for the extended trip to Canaan. Scholars note that Jacob's death and mourning are described in far greater detail than the deaths of other patriarchs. Many believe this emphasizes the enduring character of God's promises. Jacob would return to the land of promise, a focal point of the Old Testament. The land is a source of rejoicing as his people live there. Even the prophets focus on exile as punishment and return as blessing. So remember, we, we've already talked about this. I'm going to rehash it. It's a blessing for him to return uh, to the place where his uh, forefathers were buried uh, and to be buried with them, a great honor for them, and also a, a connection to the promises that God had made to them. And we obviously know that through Joseph and then the reuniting of the brothers. We obviously know that. We'll get into that more as we go. Verse 2 and 3 also mention extended times of mourning for Jacob among the Egyptians. In Egypt, 70 days of mourning was a period of time reserved for the pharaohs. It was reserved for the pharaohs, but because of the honor that Joseph held, they give this same honor to Jacob. Remember, they're not in the homeland no more. They're in Egypt. And while they're in Egypt, they give him a pharaoh's departure. That's honor. That's honor. That's, a, that's an amazing thing. Truly, God had blessed the seed of Abraham, the uh, the carrier carries of God's great promises in the land of Egypt. Honor. Before we start on section two, I want to hone in on that word, and I've, I've mentioned it before, and I, I, I think it deserves mentioning again that... So you think about the people in your life that deserve honor? Honor is something that is completely lost in our nation. Uh, honoring somebody for what they've overcome, what they've done. I mean, we we touch on it a little bit on Veterans Day, and we brush you up on it a little bit every now and then with certain things in our lives, but really, what does it mean? What does it mean to honor somebody? reverence okay what else deep respect respect. remember to remember (laughs) to remember what they've done to remember what they've accomplished to to, to remember that they've done something that I haven't done and that because they did what they did I am able to do what I am able to do today goes back to a quote that I heard a, a long time ago and I've, you've heard me quote it in here before. Nobody ever makes it anywhere alone. Nobody. You don't make it anywhere alone. Whether you can see that person in front of your face or not, you didn't make it here alone. Somebody helped you, directly or indirectly. Somebody helped you get to where you're at. And that's deserving of honor. The erasure of history is a
2: driving force in our society today, especially our culture here. Yeah. There's no need to know Past, because we need to worry about the now, and what we want. If, if we don't know our our past. I'm not talking about simple past. I'm talking about those that have fled and died and served and and given this ultimate sacrifice many times over for the reason we can be here today. Yeah. Especially the cross. I mean, that's first and foremost. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you're right, it seems like disrespect and honor and dignity and all that's just evaporating. Uh-huh. And it's a it's a huge problem.
0: Yes. It's, it, is, it is a problem. It's a problem when uh, there are people out there that literally trying to erase and deny the fact that the Holocaust ever actually even happened. Now, to me, that is, is, is beyond. I can't even wrap my mind around the fact that we have history that shows it, proves it, it existed, and people say, no, that didn't actually happen. That's all, all a ruse. You, that's disrespectful. That's total lack of honor. And our world needs honor again today. And so I'm 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 saying that for you to understand the people in your life that you should be honoring, because they've helped you get to where you're at today. in a big way, that's just a
2: version yeah. Of the present agenda. Yeah, it you is. Know, to get away from that because we've got other ideas and plans. That's what it's all yeah. about. Yeah,
0: we don't want to, to talk where about. Comes from. I think the Holocaust is a good, and I'm not going to get into all of that. But I think it's a great example if you really want to learn on how not to fall into something. You examine that story. You examine that. You examine the story from start to finish. You examine the rise of Hitler. You examine the socialism and the dictatorship that took over a people. And if you can mimic that and make sure that it doesn't happen to you and make a stand against tyranny and evil, then it won't happen to you. But that's why they're trying to take it away from your eyes. <laughs> they do not want you to see how to stand up and to fight. Well, we don't want to look back. we want to look back at our history. We see what happened to them. We better not let that happen to us. They don't want you to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Now, that's no, it's neither here nor there. You can yeah, either take... Right? It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> People... Well, anyway. I get on, but we're going to keep moving. Jacob's burial. Genesis 50 and 4 begins with the period of mourning. A uh, period of mourning was over. When the period of mourning was over. I'm sorry, guys. I keep saying some of these words wrong because my glasses are not the greatest. A little scuffed... Seventy days had been devoted to grieving Jacob. No doubt the pain of loss still stung Joseph and his brothers, but the time had come when Joseph also needed to keep the promise he had made to Jacob. By making sure Jacob was buried in Canaan, he affirmed the reality of God's promise that Abraham's seed would occupy the land of Canaan. So Joseph asked Pharaoh through his advisors for permission to bury his father in the tomb Jacob had prepared. Scholars have concluded Joseph didn't go to Pharaoh personally because of mourning customs. Joseph asked to go up to Canaan to bury his father. This passage foresees a time 400 years later when their descendants would go up from bondage in Egypt to the land of promise. Much would happen in the in interim. 400 years later. And that's when you know we start to get into the Exodus and, and, and all of that. Uh, quite some time when you say... Couple generations pass before we begin to really start to see uh, a, a fulfillment and things begin to take place. Man, that's a long time. You're not, you're not, <laughs> I think I need to say it like this you're not the story. You are not the story. You're only a part of it. Mm-hmm. You, you're, you're, it's, I, you got to say that to American people. You do. You are not the story. It is not all about you. It is about what's gonna come the next generation and the generation after them and the generation after them. Um, I mentioned my own family and I thought about this. I don't, I don't mean to keep digging on that, but I, I said it's, it's, it's kind of twisted. We can't historically even really figure out my family because it's so bound and weird and goes in multiple directions. I've used websites, I've used everything I can to track these people down and I can't find them. It is, it is really weird the way it's set up. You know what I said to myself? I said, I don't want this for my great-grandchildren. I need y'all to know where I'm at. My story needs to be clear, and it needs to be obvious what we were trying to do. Not this conjuncture of 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 this, uh, like a train wreck to me, trying to figure it all out. And that's okay. That's fine. If it can start here, where it starts to make sense, I want them to look back and say, you know, it... It only started looking like it made sense when it got to Tanner and Misty. Then it started making sense. (laughs) If that's the way they talk about me, then I feel like I did what I was supposed to do. Let's make it clear. All right. Um, Much would happen in the interim and would be very difficult for God's promise, but his promise would endure. We know of the centuries of slavery that awaited the descendants of Jacob and of the miraculous hand of God that brought deliverance. But in the moments of Joseph's grief, these Egyptians acted as friends. you got to know the history, right? Pharaoh's gracious, uh, Pharaoh graciously included all his officials in this grand funeral procession, as well as a great number of chariots and chariot drivers. They buried Jacob, grandson of Abraham, from whom would come the one who would give his own life to save people from their sins. Wow. I mean, you really start tracing this thing down. This is where we get thankful. We're thankful for what? We're thankful for Christ. But we're thankful for what God did through the generations. And he put together a gigantic story of redemption. A gigantic story sprawling through hundreds and hundreds of years. Thousands of his hand always doing and moving and helping. Now, you come to 2023... We got craziness in our country. We got craziness across the world. But God still does help and God still is involved in everything that takes place. <clears throat> everything. So, that's encouraging. All right. A place of deep mourning. Joseph, along with the entourage of family and Egyptians, stopped at, uh, at Atad, I think that's how you say it, which is beyond Jordan. This was likely a location near Jericho. Scholars note it is very possible the entourage followed the same route to Canaan. The Israelites would follow some 400 years later. That's interesting. Again, scripture foreshadows the fulfillment of God's promises later on. The entourage held a memorial in time of intense mourning for seven days. This event was so striking the Canaanites took notice and named the place Abiel Mizrim, which means mourning of the Egyptians. It's a pretty powerful deal. Now we could say Man, they just mourned a lot. They were doing a lot of mourning for this. I'm referring to it like this. There was a lot of honor taking place. There was a lot of honor taking place. Honoring what uh, maybe they didn't directly understand. It. They were honoring Jacob, of course. They're honoring the Lord. Maybe they didn't directly get it because they weren't really Lord-following people, but they were. Isn't that amazing how God works? It's like, you're honoring me. You don't even know you're honoring me. That's 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 how God works. I think that's amazing. And I want I want to pitch you something this morning. You know, since we're talking about the big picture and generations and things of that nature, you know, if, if we were to if we were to openly have a conversation this morning and were to take some of your your comments about what were your dreams when you were younger. And what were what were your actual dreams and 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 were they fulfilled? And I think it's I think it's um, natural for a parent. <laughs> That whenever they whenever things don't take place the way they wanted them to, and you can always tell, everybody, when you get as you get older, you're like, you know what, that's probably not gonna happen now, is it? You, you all you old you have some of the older ones, you know. What do you do? You pass it on to your kids. You're like, I'm gonna pass this on to you. I want you to be able to experience that or have that. And you know, sometimes the kids are like, ah, you know, get out of here with that stuff. I don't wanna experience any of that. You know, kids have just a different way of looking at things, and that's fine. Sometimes our dreams don't get fulfilled like we would like them to. Maybe we don't get the house that we wanted, or we don't get all of the things that we are accomplished, all the things that we try to, we try to take that and we pin that on our kids. And I'm not saying it's, it's a wrong thing or a bad thing to pass on dreams to your children. Just be careful what kind of dream you're giving them. You be very careful about that, about what kind of dream you're actually handing to them. And that, that, that we hand them something that's actually a generational changing. Uh, one of the worst fears that I have in living where we live, when my, one of the worst fears that I have is giving my kids the wrong idea about what a life with God really is supposed to look like. I, I do. I, I'm, I'm being honest with you. That when my kids leave the house, I do not want them to have this idea that you just do a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, and everything will be okay. You get a little bit of God, you get a little bit of the world, you get a little bit of this. I said, no, we don't want that. I want you to understand that we are here solely because God has allowed us to be here. That when you leave this house, you are equipped with the ability to pray. You're equipped with the Holy Spirit. You're equipped with all of these things because it's the world's idea right now. The world has this thing right now going on. Our country has this big thing. That you get a little of God, you get a little bit of prosperity, you get all these things, and it just equals a great life, and that's the life that you want to live. That's not generational changing stuff. As a matter of fact, we got to be careful because we may hand them something that may choke out the part of God and just push it out altogether. And then we actually didn't do anything. We didn't give them anything. We just give them the world. And so I'm very very cautious of that. Only (laughs) time... Only time will tell, but I, I want I want us to make sure that when we that when we have something that maybe we didn't accomplish in life that maybe we wanted to that we don't pin that on our kids because it may be it may be something that they don't need to accomplish it may be something that they don't need they don't necessarily need your dream of accomplishing something great in this world to be who they are. You with me, church? They don't need that. They don't need your dream. I've got, yeah, I've got a lot of things inside of me. I've, I've been worked over, and God has dealt with me and dealt with me, and I've, I've realized that. No, they don't need that. That's mine. And if it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen. But I'm not giving that to them because they don't need it. I'm gonna let God deal with them individually. They need to listen to God for themselves. I think it's one of the greatest things happened to me as an individual when I left my parents' house and moved out on my own I didn't have nothing zero greatest thing that could have ever happened to me and I knelt down at my bedside alone just (coughs) me and God and I remember him speaking to me and telling me he said now it's up to you you can get as close to me as you want it's just you and me and that's where really my relationship with him began to change it's just a life with him and me you got, some of you in here know what it's like to start with nothing. Nobody had passed on any dreams to me. I was neutral across the board. God, what do you want to do? He's like, today, this is what we're going to do. And that's the direction we're going. And so I think sometimes that's the greatest thing because sometimes I think we uh, kids are chasing things that have been passed on to them that they don't need to chase. They need to chase the Lord, not the world. I hope, you under, I hope you've taken that right. I hope you understand that. Mm-hmm. It appears Joseph and his brothers left the entourage in abil Mizraim to proceed as a family to Jacob's burial place. The intimate scene reminds us of the reconciliation that had taken place. There together, the brothers honored their father's request to be buried in the land of promise. Afterward, they and the entourage returned to Egypt. So the, the scene is that Joseph is there with his brothers. They're there to bury their father. Uh, they mention intimacy here, which is the obviously the connection uh, with the forgiveness, and we already know the story that had happened before. That they're together now. The family is tight. <coughs> there's strength there. Everybody knows there's strength in family, right? Yeah. There's strength there. There's a lot of strength in family. You can. Do you, don't you feel that when you visit, and you come together, you can feel the strength. You can you you just know that if I need you, you'll be here, and if you need me, I'll be there for you. There's strength in numbers. You can feel that strength. With family. It's a powerful thing. So we get that scene here. Well, look at look at three, and this is actually where we're going to spend the majority of our time this morning. Joseph reassures his brothers. As Joseph and his family returned to Egypt, his brothers realized that now their father was dead. Joseph could take revenge on them. I read this a couple times to make sure I was like, okay, I want to make sure I understand everything that's going on here. Because I thought it was interesting that after their father died, that the brothers would automatically default back to the fears that they had years before, worried that Joseph would take revenge on them for the way that they had treated him. And there's um, there's this thing with the patriarch of the family, that if the patriarch was there, that even if there was tension, you gave honor to the patriarch of the family and his wishes. And if the wishes of the patriarch were that there was peace, there better be peace. Because the patriarch also, remember, he had the ability to pass on the blessing. He had the ability to pass on uh, um, the, the inheritance. And so most of the time, because when the patriarch was present, everybody was on their best behavior, at least for the most part. And you'll notice here that as soon as the, the patriarch passes, immediately they default back. But why? Because remember, who was the next up? Remember, they had there was two moms here that had given birth to these children. We had uh, Rachel and Leah. And so we had children from both. But Joseph was of preeminence. He was the one to take over the patriarchal role, to, at least to some extent, of the entirety of the family. And so he's next up. So what do the brothers do? Don't kill us. Thinking maybe, just possibly, you could come back for revenge now that dad's gone. Your dad's out of the way, and now you might try to come back for us. Now listen to this. This is, well, Remember, we're talking about forgiveness. We're talking about long-term story, long-term picture. Uh, if, I guess you could say if Joseph was going to devise a plan to have revenge, he would have done it by now. If he was going to exact a, a plan of revenge, and this is what the brothers are thinking. Maybe he's been planning something all these years, waiting until dad passed, and when dad passed, he was going to execute the plan. And so just in case, the brothers are taking precaution. (laughs) (laughs) They found themselves in fear of their powerful brother. They sent a message to Joseph that their father had left some important instructions. Please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. Apparently, they finally came to terms with the depth of their wickedness. I would disagree with the lesson to that to an extent. I would disagree with the lesson to the extent that they they had finally come to the grips with their wickedness after all these years. I think they had done that a long time ago. I think they had done that a long time ago. I think this was more about the patriarchal role and not really knowing where Joseph stood. I don't think they were certain because, you know... You know, those, they're, they're thinking, we had a deep, sinister plan lying in secret. He could have a deep, sinister plan lying in secret. So I I, I don't think that this is them coming to grips with wickedness. I think this has to do with just flat-out fear. <laughs> now, all they could do was beg Joseph to forgive them, which they had already done. Remember, we they'd already covered this. This was taken care of before. Now, all they could do was beg Joseph to forgive. I'm sorry, I already read that. The message had been sent through an intermediary. Upon seeing Joseph, the brothers threw themselves at his feet, declaring, Look, we are your slaves. Think about it for just a minute. Everything's been going well. The family's it's good. Remember, they were tight, right? What did, what did it just show here in part two? They went together to bury their father. Strong. And, and now he's out of the way. Now they're at his feet begging for mercy. Don't kill us. Don't kill us. I wanna. There's there's always, 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 always an opportunity to dig up your past. Always. And 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 I would say that the devil spends most of his time, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna claim that I know statistics on this just simply knowing the way that he works, I'd say he spends most of his time antagonizing God's people about what they have been forgiven from. I I would say that it's what he does. Now, we know scripturally, spiritually, that we've been forgiven of those things. But it's not unlike the enemy to come up and say, Hey, you remember that? still hanging around still going to haunt you, still going to come up and bite you. It's difficult at times to remember that not only have we been forgiven, but it, we've all, it's also been forgotten And that our responsibility, our purpose, our reasoning is that we need to move forward. Uh-huh. This is exactly what was happening here. This was pivotal, especially with the patriarch of the family passing and there uh, being a new role of leadership. There has to be a movement forward. It's kind of like, um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, kind of delve into your prayer lives, and I've had to learn these lessons before. I have prayed for forgiveness over things, over and over and over, over again, and I realized that I had been praying for forgiveness and asking God to forgive me of certain things, not because He didn't forgive me the first time. Because faith in God's ability to forgive is a a one-time deal. I go to God, and I ask for forgiveness, and I mean, I repent of my sin from my heart. He forgives me. I had actually realized that I kept asking God for forgiveness because I was living with guilt. And I was still dabbling with the guilt. I was still saying to myself, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Amen. Life sure would have been better had I not done that. I wish things were different. If I'd have done it this way, it would have been better. And what I kept doing was taking a wound and ripping it open, pouring salt in it, and wishing it never was. That's guilt. That's what that is. God's plan is not for you to live with guilt. And I will say this. You are incapable of moving forward if you keep playing with guilt. You can't do it. But remember, the name of the game is to move forward. You have got to move forward. Now, now we could go back at the story, we'd say, was there something unresolved between him and the brothers? Did they have something that needed to be taken care of? By all means, if there needs to be apologies given or confession made to somebody, by all means, make it. But once it's made, it's done. You with me, Church? Amen. Once it's made, it's done. You can stick a fork in and you move forward. because if you don't move forward, If you keep playing with guilt and you keep entertaining it, it will come back around. And the next time the devil comes to you and he speaks to you and he's like, hey, you remember that? It's going to sting different. I remember, I know what it feels like to be wearing the (laughs) breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith. I know what it's like to be outfitted with the armor of God and to hear these words come to me and they just bounce off. I'm like, ah, yeah, I've heard that business before. But it hits different when you've let your guard down. It hits different. The sting is different. It hurts different. It's like, mmm, that kind of hurt. And that, what, what happens? That guilt stirs up, and you keep, you start to entertain it, you start to play with it. Go ahead. There
1: have been many times, you know, Satan likes to drag things up from the past. And <laughs> I've come to the point where I'm,
2: you
0: know, like you said. Remember when you did this? And you're like, remember that? Yeah, you remember this? Right <laughs> you remember that cross? Yep. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, you remember. Yeah, it works. He's like, all right, I got nothing else to say. That's where. That's what's. That's what's going to send you to an eternal hell. That's great. So, I'm encouraging you. I'm encouraging you to not get trapped in your guilt. Don't get trapped in that. It doesn't belong to you. That's not yours. I'm not saying that you don't struggle with emotions and feelings. We're real people. But I'm telling you, you've got to put it in the right place. It needs to. It, you need to understand that when we were delivered, and that God came and delivered, He delivered us from all those things. Now it may take you some time to finally fully work into that but I but I'm telling you that moving forward moving forward is what we have to understand you've got to move forward if you do not move forward and you keep lagging behind you keep playing around with guilt you keep playing around with the past you're gonna get stuck you will get stuck and it's and it's harder to dig yourself out of it It's kind of like you know getting bogged down in the mud you can spin them tires all you want but you're stuck so be encouraged okay let's keep moving but Joseph had no intention of treating them with anything other than affection. They must recognize that God ruled their future. God had taken what was intended for harm and transformed it. They sought death for Joseph, but God used him to preserve life. They sought to end him, but God used him to bring a new beginning and the next step toward his promise to bless the world. He said, he said, no. They approached him and they're like, we're your slaves. And he said, no. No. No, I, my intent hasn't changed. I am I still, I meant what I said before. If you didn't believe me then, I meant what I said before. I, I forgive you. All right, let's flip this thing. All right, so <coughs> the devil likes to come up and he likes to remind you, he does, he likes to try to remind you of times you've been hurt. But also, a strategy of the enemy, don't forget this. That he will try to get you to renege on your forgiveness of someone. He'll try to agitate a wound that you have already been healed from. You've already let that go. That person has been forgiven. You are no longer offended by what they said or did to you. The enemy will come back and try to stir that back up and get you to be offended again. Going back around again. Now remember, if you're not if you're not fully equipped, if you don't have the armor on, remember it's going to hit different. <clears throat> You'd let it go before, but now here he come, and he's going to try to take another swipe at it. A angle. It's a little bit different angle. The past is gone. You forgiven. It's over. Do not allow your heart to be entertained by unforgiveness. Do not allow your heart to be entertained by the possibility of of holding a grudge. It's something interesting about the heart and the way that it is hardwired. It seems to, it, it, I always refer to it as sticky fingers. The heart has sticky fingers. It likes to hold on to stuff. And it's constantly looking for something to get a grip on. Now, whether that's truth or false, that's going to be up to you. But it likes to hold on to things.
2: You're holding the, grips, the past has got to hold
0: you. Yes, it does. It does. It's got a grip. And so, whether, whether it was you that uh, had been offended, or whether it was you that had uh, needed to forgive and offend some, or forgive someone else's offense to you, remember that this, it, it, it works both ways. And that we have to make sure that we're not playing the victim. The enemy knows that your flesh is weak to victimization. It's a fleshly thing. Look, I'm just gonna be honest with you, it's a fleshly thing. It is a human fleshly thing to wanna to be the victim. Don't listen, don't, don't fall into that trap. That's a trap of the enemy. It's like it's someone else victimization. Let me explain victimization. It's always someone else's fault and it's never yours. That's victimization. Someone else did it to me. It's their fault. The, the, even maybe we even go so far as to say the devil did it. No, no I look. The devil is responsible for a lot of stuff, but um, a lot of my own, a lot of my worst trials of my life, the devil didn't have no hand in it at all. I think he actually sat back and laughed. <laughs> He was like, he's like, look at this guy. He does his best work when I just sit back. Sometimes we're our own worst enemies. Can we admit that? Amen. Sometimes we're our own worst enemies. Okay, I want to take some comments because we're running out of time. Somebody had their hand up. Right, Jimmy. Jimmy, go ahead, sir.
2: Sorry.
3: Uh, well, I just want to ask you a question. Okay. I had a, I had a nod against my brother, my baby brother. And I didn't get a chance. I mean, I didn't go and apologize. I asked his forgiveness Mm -hmm. before he passed away. Now can his God hold me against that, uh, against me?
0: Well, it depends on how you see forgiveness. If we see forgiveness, if you see forgiveness as like a format or an equation, like it has to be done a certain way, and it, and if we can do it in the living years, that's great. But does God know your heart and where you are at now? Do you? Forgive, and have we moved forward? Because I think that's a very in- important part to that puzzle. Well,
2: forgiveness is more for the person than it is the one who needs to forgive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In your heart, you give, and this is for many people. if You think, Jim, mm-hmm. there's a multitude of people that have the same issue you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Kind of, I, I always refer, and I'm and I'm glad you brought that up. It's kind of like saying, in my, I think that baptism is an important aspect of, of, of salvation. Do I believe if you're not baptized that you're not saved? Absolutely not. I believe that when you confess your sin and repent, that that's it. It's done. If 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 I get saved and I never got a chance to get baptized, I'm I'm going to heaven. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's sometimes uh, it's not
3: format. My baby brother, he was uh, he was had cancer and uh, he died when he was 42 and uh, uh they called me when he was you know he was just had a few minutes left yeah and i said i can't help him because he don't you know he's taking that medicine and he don't sure even know where he's at mm-hmm. it wouldn't do me no good to go up there and yeah. you know but in my heart i have forgiven absolutely so and it's good uh i knew he you know oh he was I don't know how many times, yeah. you know, he done things to me, Sure. and done things to my family that that was really bad, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Well, and Jim, I th- you guys listen to listen to what Jim is saying here, and because I, I I think that Jim echoes, uh, maybe not directly, but everybody's situation. We've all got issues and things that what Jim is talking about right here that we struggle with. We wonder, you know, which way could I have done it this way? Could I have done it that way? Once we get that in our heart and we forgive, it's done. It's done. We don't have to look back on that. I didn't say it wasn't going to hurt. It's going to hurt sometimes. But we understand that forgiveness is in place, and so it's done. I'm, I appreciate that, Jim. Let's finish this up, and then we're, we're going to close. God will help you. Last section here, Genesis 50, 22 through 26. The death of Joseph is recorded in Genesis uh, in 50, 22 through 26. Joseph emphasized his desire to be buried in Canaan. Moses would later fulfill this request. Also, Joseph reaffirmed God's promises, declaring, God will surely visit you and bring you out of this this land of Egypt. It would be four centuries later, but God would help his people just as he does today. Okay, so yeah, and I think it was from from the time, I mean, we we didn't really get into Joseph's death per se, um, but from the time that, Jacob died to the time that Joseph died, I believe it was like 54 years. And so he still spent quite a bit of time, he had a full life with his brothers, and experienced a lot of things. Um, I don't know when I don't know when this this whole thing is gonna wrap up, whether it's on a personal level or where it's on a, a world scale. I, I don't know. But I do know that God is desire is for us to live as, as good as we possibly can. And the only way that we can do that is we have him at the forefront. We make him the centerpiece of our lives. And if there is something in your life, if you are living with guilt or you are living with shame, these are not things that you have to live with. These are things that, that we, can, we can bring to God and, and He can begin to heal us and begin to deal with us. And so we've talked about a lot of things over the course of this thing. I hope that you uh, maybe have garnered a little bit of patience for God and patience in the way that He works and patience with your own children and seeing God answer your own personal prayers for your children and your grandchildren. Generation matters it matters. And what we leave to this next generation is going to make all the difference. Let's make sure it's a good one. Matter out of time guys. God bless you. Thank you.